as we begin, um, if you are in an e-group, um, you know we're going to, the plan is to try to go caroling tonight with your group. Um, if you have not noticed, it is a bit um, chilly and brisk outside. And so um, that might mean you go to one house or two houses. That might mean you postpone it. Um, but another option um, as a group, go see a shut-in, one of our shut-ins. Um, and just simply show up at their house and say, hey, we just want to say we're glad we get to see you and um, to share some time with them. And so that's another option if it's just a little bit too cold um, tonight. So as we begin a question for you, what is the purpose of a sign? We, we see signs all around And basically the purpose of a sign is it is a symbol that is used to communicate a message. Signs like a stoplight. A stoplight has no words, it is just simply a symbol that communicates a message to you. Red means stop. Green means go. And yellow means Go faster, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Making sure we're still on the same page. Um, Some signs communicate through a shape and a word. For instance, a stop sign or a yield sign. These signs tell us, let someone else have the right of way or stop. Then signs like a road flare. They tell you, hey, danger. There's a problem. You probably need to pay attention and watch out what's going on. Or a sign, um, if you see red and light, um, red and blue flashing lights in your rearview mirror, that means means you're in trouble most likely, yeah. Um, And then one other sign you might see in the grocery store, um, you write on a piece of paper, it's called a check, it's a sign of what? Age. <laughs> You're going to be here for a while. No, if, if you write a check, we still love you. Just a little, little hint. Don't wait until they tell you the total to pull your checkbook out and begin writing the check. Symbols or signs are symbols that are used to create or communicate a message. Um, As we go this morning, I need to take just a second to give you a little bit of context historically of where this story is going to take place and what is going on so that you understand and, and grasp the magnitude of the story. Israel has been... Um, divided into two kingdoms. There is the northern kingdom that's composed of ten of the tribes, and then there is the southern kingdom that's called Judah that is composed of two tribes. And these tribes are still trying to find their way with kings, and they're trying to figure out their place in the world. And there is a new country that's coming into power called Assyria. And Assyria, you could say, is the the new bully on the block. They're the the 
country that's coming into power and they're taking the other kids' lunch money. They're, they're going to the smaller nations, the more feeble nations, and they're using their power and their might to force their will to take over these nations to make them basically um, their puppet states and to use their king and their government to control more and more. And so they're using their force and their dominance and their power to get more and more and more control. And so Assyria is this big bad bully on the block that's coming around and... Sorry. And in the midst of this, there is a new king in Judah, and his name is Ahaz. Ahaz is the twelfth king of Judah, and he sees what Assyria is doing. And he sees the problem that Assyria is causing in this world. And so, beginning in chapter 7, verse 2. Now, I'm sorry, that would be the book of Isaiah. Just randomly, any chapter 7 will work. Try Jude. Sorry. ADD medicine this morning would help. Isaiah 7, verse 2. Now the house of David was told Aram had allied itself with Ephraim. And so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. And basically what's happening historically right here is Ephraim and Syria have basically aligned themselves. And they've said, and Ephraim and Syria are part of the northern kingdom. They've aligned themselves together, and they've said, we see what Assyria is doing, and we are afraid of what Assyria can do. And so we're going to come together as allies to protect ourselves and our nation against Assyria. And so Ephraim and Syria go to Ahaz, king of Judah, and they say, hey, we've got this pack. We've got this pack that we're going to ally ourselves to protect our nations against Syria, or Assyria. Do you want in? And they invite Ahaz into this alliance to protect themselves against Assyria. And this is where the prophet Isaiah steps in. And what we've said in this series is the job of the prophet is to paint a picture of possibility of the world as it could be. This is Isaiah's job, is to come in and say, hey, in the midst of all you see, here is what the world could be. And it's this very same thing, this role of the prophet that is going to end up getting Isaiah killed. We don't really have anything in our Bible that tells us what happens, but we know through Jewish history and church history that Isaiah was killed by King Manasseh being sawn in two. This was the role of the prophet. 
to stand before the people and paint a picture of possibility of the world as it could be, not as the world is. And so Isaiah comes to Ahaz as he is afraid, as he's trying to figure out what he is to do. Do I go and form this alliance with Syria and Ephraim against Assyria? Or do I figure out a way to get Assyria on my good side so that I have safety? And so here's what Isaiah is told. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shir Joshua, Shir Joshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launder's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering shrubs of firewood, because the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Rimelah. So he says, in spite of all that you see, don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. Don't go and align yourself with these other nations. Because in aligning yourselves with other nations, what you are effectively saying is we trust the strength and power of their hands more than we trust the strength and power of God's hands. Don't make this mistake. In spite of all you see, don't lose heart. One of the early astronauts was asked, what is it like to go into space and be in one of these space capsules? And his response was, it really makes you think when everything is done according to the lowest bidder. <laughs> like, like what you see right before your eyes sometimes does not make sense. We're, we're trusting what the astronauts say. We're trusting our lives to what the government has bid out to the lowest bidder. What Ahaz is doing is he has this monumental decision to make. In spite of all that he sees, is he willing to trust his life and the well-being of the nation of Judah in God's hands? When you have the countries of Syria and Ephraim saying, come on, come join us, and together we'll protect one another against Assyria. And seeing what Assyria is doing, conquering these nations, and just inviting them in and saying, hey, well now you're part of what we're doing, you're our puppet king. And so Ahaz is presented with this incredible opportunity. These two choices. Go align myself with Ephraim and Syria. 
or figure out a way to get on Assyria's good side. And here's what Isaiah tells Ahaz. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will, too, will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Rimelah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So Ahaz, you have a decision to make. Are you going to trust God? Or are you going to go and align yourself with Ephraim and Syria? Basically, it's like this multiple choice test. And throughout Scripture, it talks about the people of Israel, later the church, being married to God, being one. And so, like, here's the multiple choice test for Ahaz. Ahaz, you can go get in bed with Ephraim and Syria. That's your first choice. B, you can go get in bed with Assyria. C, you can get in bed with God. Like, who are you going to be married to? You've already said, as a nation, you will be married to God because you are His chosen people. Are you going to go and prostitute yourself to these other nations so that you have their protection? That's your choice. A, B, or C, choose. What will you do? Verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord, your God, for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. So in case you don't believe me when I say it will not happen, stand firm in your faith. If you don't believe me, ask me for a sign. Anything from the highest heights to the deepest depths, ask me to do anything and I will do it. You want to see the sun stand still in the, stand still in the sky? I can do it. You want me to raise someone from the dead? I can do it. You want me to part some waters? I can do it. You want me to cause some dew to form in one place and not everywhere else around? I can do it. Whatever you want, ask me for a sign, and I will do it. And I want you to listen to Ahaz's response. Verse 13, or verse 12, excuse me. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. 
I will not put the Lord to the test. Now, the response seems so righteous. I'm not going to test God. I mean, Deuteronomy 6 in the law, it says, don't put the Lord, your God, to the test. Jesus even responds that way at one point when he's tempted by Satan. Don't test God. The response seems so righteous. Do you want to sign anything? I'll, I'll give it to you. From the highest heights to the deepest depths, I will do it for you. Whatever you ask, I will do. I'm not going to test God. Do you remember the, the Wizard of Oz? When they finally make it to the Emerald City and they're inside, they're seeing the wizard and then Toto, the young dog, runs back and pulls back the curtain. And, and Oz, the great and powerful, is behind the curtain. And he's saying, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Pay, pay no attention to this man. The, the Oz is real. Like, that's Ahaz right here. Like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Pay, pay no attention to his answer that seems so righteous. Pay no attention to this man saying, I'm not going to test God. It'd be a lack of faith. But Isaiah gets irritated at his response. Because it's not, I'm not going to test God, but... Do you remember this alliance that we had? Do you remember this alliance that we could be a part of with Ephraim and Syria? Well, there's something over here I didn't tell you about. I don't need to be a part of that alliance because I've already made my own. See, in the background, Ahaz has gone to Assyria and said, hey, you know how you've been conquering all these other nations and then making them basically your puppet kings? You don't have to come and attack us. We'll just do it for you. We'll just join in your alliance and we'll be on your side and we'll be your puppet king if you will protect us from these other guys. Because Ephraim... In Syria, they didn't get the answer they wanted from Ahaz. They didn't get him joining the alliance. And what they decided is we're going to go attack Judah. We're going to take over the city. And we're going to put our own puppet king in here. And then we're going to make sure he aligns with what we want to do. See, Ahaz is in this place where he says, I've already made the decision whose power and whose strength I trust in. I'm going to go join with Assyria because I believe they have the ability to protect me. See, he hadn't fully gotten in bed with Assyria yet. He just made the date. And Isaiah, knowing what is happening, is standing in the place of the prophet 
trying to paint a picture of possibility of the world as it could be in place of the world as it is. Listen, Ahaz, I know what you see. And I understand that Assyria looks like this daunting, bully nation. And I know they scare you. And I know that there's this fear of what Ephraim and Syria are doing. But don't do it. Don't give yourself away to someone else. Trust that God will provide for you. Trust that when I say you will be my people, I will really protect you. So Isaiah says, verse 13, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he is, knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. What Isaiah says, I know you fear these nations. But if you go down this road and you make this decision, it will affect you and the generations that come after you for a long, long time. And don't you wish that you could just press pause and step into this story and just make sure everything else around Ahaz is stopped and say, hey, Ahaz, listen. Listen, I know you see what Syria and Ephraim are doing. I know you see what Assyria is doing. I know it makes you fearful. But listen... God is going to protect you and provide for you. Don't give in. Don't lose heart. Because if you make this decision, it's going to affect you and all of the generations that come after you. You see, as you stand at the center, at this pivotal point in history, And if you choose right now to align yourself with God, to trust in His strength, then here's what's going to happen. But if you don't, at the end of your life, when you die, and people are telling the story of Israel, and they're telling the story of Judah, and everything that's happening, here's what they're going to say about you if you don't trust God. Ahaz was 20 years old. This is in 2 Kings. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 16 years. And unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. Is there another 
verse that it when you come to the end here's what they're going to say about you if you choose to go align yourself with these other nations to ally with them Ahaz don't lose heart the Messiah is coming Don't lose heart. Emmanuel, God with us, is coming. That's Ahaz's decision. Now, about 700 years later, there's a really similar decision. There's a young guy named Joseph who is pledged to be married to a woman named Mary. And here's how the story goes. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I've always wondered as I've read that, if Joseph was really concerned about Mary's best interest in this story or if he was more concerned about his. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, Joseph, you have this decision to make. You you have this decision to make. Are you going to trust in God and what He is doing in this world and His strength and His provision and His ability to provide for you or are you going to trust in what you see? See, Ahaz had this monumental question to answer. What what are you going to choose today? And Joseph has the same type of monumental decision. Are you going to choose to listen to God and to his plan and the way things are unfolding? Or are you going to trust in what you see? What's going to influence your decision? Here's... Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. See, Ahaz has this decision to make, and we have the luxury of looking back and not being in that pivotal moment 
where we have to make the same decision that he does. And Joseph has this incredibly difficult decision to make. And we have the luxury of looking back and seeing what decision he made and how it all plays out. Now here's the deal. You have a decision to make as well. See, you have to choose who or what you're going to trust in. You have to choose who you're going to follow. You're going to have to choose in so many different ways, in so many different arenas in your life, who you're going to follow and who you're going to put your trust in. Because let's face it, every single day that you wake up, you have a decision to make as to what you will trust in. Because there are days that we wake up and everything around us looks dark. And everything around us looks hopeless. And everything around us looks like Assyria is winning. And everything around us looks like Ephraim and Syria are going to win the day. And everything around us looks like Rome is going to get the final word. And that Herod is going to win. And everything around us looks like debt is closing in and death is at our door and disease is confronting us and the diagnosis that we got is so fearful and afraid makes us so fearful and afraid that we don't know what to do and we have a choice every single day just as Ahaz had a choice just as Joseph had a choice you and I have a choice who will you trust in And it is so easy to hide behind the simple, righteous answers. I will not test God. Right? It's easy to put on the front that says everything is okay. It's easy to put on the front that says my life is in God's hands. But what about when it comes down to the difficult decisions? What about when it comes down to the little things like stretching the truth just to get ahead? To make ourselves look better? What, what about when it comes down to the really difficult decisions of what I'm looking at online? When I say I'm committed to my spouse, but yet here's what I'm visiting over and over and over. 
or when I say I'm committed to my marriage, but yet in the background is this other relationship that is happening? What happens when in the background there is the debt that seems so overwhelming that you have a decision to make how you're going to make ends meet and how you're going to make it work? See, the decisions in these story, in these two stories, confront us. They confront us with the decision that you and I have to make every single day. So where do you find yourself in the story? What is the decision right now in your life that you want everyone to hear you answer? I'm not going to test God. But here in the background, all these other things are going on that say something different than what our words say. And although we say we're not going to test God, what we're really doing is testing God. Let's just find out how deep that grace really runs. Let's find out how deep that grace really goes. Let's find out how God is going to show up. And my message for you, just as the prophet Isaiah said to the people Judah. Don't lose heart. Messiah is coming. Don't lose heart. Messiah is coming. In the mid-1800s, there was a man named Charles Blondin. And he was a famous tightrope walker. He walked across on a tightrope, Niagara Falls, um, hundreds of times. And he would perform um, for all sorts of dignitaries from other companies. This is a picture of one of his events. Apparently, in the 1860s, it was okay to wear a skirt um, if you were a tightrope walker. Uh, just FYI. Um, But in 1960, he was performing for some dignitaries from England. And he began by walking across with a long pole. And everyone applauded. And then he threw the pole down into the falls and he walked back across with nothing. Then he walked across on stilts. And it amazed everyone. Then he walked back across, and he took time in the middle of the tightrope, over 1,100 feet across, 160 feet above the falls, and he sat down to cook an omelet on the tightrope. He ate his omelet and then walked across, and everyone applauded. Then he got a wheelbarrow, and he pushed the wheelbarrow across the falls, and everyone applauded. And then he got a big sack of potatoes and put it in the wheelbarrow and pushed it across. And everyone applauded. 
And then he went to the visiting dignitary, the Duke of Newcastle. And he said, do you believe that I can push a person across the falls in this wheelbarrow? And the Duke said, yes, I I believe you can do anything now that we've seen this incredible display. He says, well, get in. And the Duke thought long and hard about the decision. And he said, I can't do that. And he turned to the huge crowd standing there and all the newspaper galleries that were taking pictures. They said, who trusts that I can push a person across? If you trust that I can push a person across, I want you to get in. And the crowd was silent. They looked down at their feet and didn't utter a word. And then, out of the crowd, emerged a little old lady and she went and she climbed into the wheelbarrow and she said I believe that you can push me across the false so he picked up the wheelbarrow and he pushed her across and pushed her back safely coming to the other side that woman was his mother. The one person in the crowd that day that truly believed he could do what he said he could do. Here's my question for you, church. Do you believe that Jesus is God's son? That he came to earth as a little baby in a manger to become king of all the earth. And that he lived on this earth as we lived and died as we will die. But in his death, he suffered on a cross. And you see, that's where it looked like the story was over. It's where it looked like the story was over as the tomb was sealed and he was placed inside. But on the third day, the tomb was empty. And he was raised to life. See, and that whole part of the story was done from what happened in the beginning to restore God's good creation and to bring people into unity with him. And it's a question of, well, who or what will you give your life to? See, it's a question of, do you truly believe that I can save you? Get in. Get in. Because what we believe is that Jesus, when he ascended, said that he would come back. And when he comes back, he will restore the world as it should be.
It's what the prophet Isaiah gave his life to because he believed the truth of the story. And it's what we as a church have given our life to because we believe the truth of the story. And Jesus offers this this invitation, this question to you. He says, "Do do you trust me? Do you trust that I can save you? Do you trust that I'm enough to protect you today? Do you you trust that I can protect you tomorrow? Do you trust that in spite of everything you see and how it looks like everything in this world is off kilter and going wrong, and do you trust that my grace is sufficient for you? Then get in. Get in. And he invites us to walk through the water with him. Trusting that he will protect us through the water and bring us out on the other side a new creation. Beautifully, wonderfully recreated to be the person that God desires you to be. And the hope, the hope of this gospel is not that God would just simply make you good. But it's that in this, he will make you new. And it is the hope that we have. And so if you've never made that decision this morning, we simply offer you that invitation. Come to him and trust him. Put your life in his hands and let him deliver you. And if you've already placed your life in his care, Let's just be honest, some days are more difficult to trust than others. And the invitation to you is simply to trust him more today than you did yesterday. And to believe that he will do in you what he has promised. So we're going to have some ministry staff and shepherds around the back of the auditorium. I'll be down here at front. But if we can help you in any way in your journey with Christ, we would love to do that. So come while we stand and sing. Sweet are the promises, kind is the word.